Hello, I'm Hannah. And I'm Mike, a.k.a. Dad. And you're listening to Everything I Know, I Learned from Dad. In this podcast, my dad and I, and sometimes my sister Maddie, share our perspective on some of life's most valuable lessons. A lot of what my dad taught me didn't always make sense growing up, but today I attribute my successful transition to adulthood to his guidance, and we're here to share his wisdom with you. So, whether you're a young adult or a parent, we think you'll find value in our stories, and we're glad you're here. Welcome back to another episode of Everything I Know I Learned from Dad. This episode is going to be sort of a prerequisite to next week's episode. So next week, we're going to talk all about cars, car maintenance, and making your car last a long time. But before we dive into that specific topic, we'd first like to talk about the process of buying a car and all the questions that you might have and considerations to think about before making that purchase. When you go to buy a new car, the first question that you probably ask yourself is, do I go new or do I go used? So dad, how do we approach answering this question for ourselves? Yeah, that's, that is the first question. For a lot of people, new might be out of reach and that's fine, used is fine. But what you need to realize is that a car's value is constantly declining. And what most people may not recognize is that the first year of ownership of a new car is is the steepest decline in car value. What is the decline? Yeah. So I'll tell you what the first year is in a second, but subsequent years are typically values are dropping at a rate of about 15% a year. So if you have a car that's worth $10,000 this year, it's probably worth $8,500 next year and so on. But Is it then 15% off of the current value or the value? Yeah, of... current value okay. constantly. Yeah. So it's always off a smaller starting number. Right. Yeah. But the first year, the value drops 24%. So you know, people say the first, as soon as you drive the car off the lot, it's a used car. Absolutely. You know, if you buy a car for $20,000 next year, that car is worth roughly $15,000. And so that's a, that for some people is a consideration, you know, is that you're, when you buy a new car, you're, you're buying, you're putting money that into it, that's going to dissipate, (laughs) you know, more rapidly in the first year than in subsequent years. Is there any other value or, or reason why someone might go used as opposed to new? other than just cost and and value depreciation? Yeah, well, I mean, there are other, there's a lot of costs associated with owning a car or buying a car. And when you buy a car, you got to pay sales tax. So the higher the price, and most states, not all states, but we live in a state where you pay, I think, six and a quarter percent. So if you buy a $20,000 car, you're going to have to pay over $1,000 in sales tax. So that's, you know, all part of the equation as to what you can afford. There's also a lot of other costs associated with owning a car. Like when you buy a car, you have the purchase price, you have the sales tax, you have to get license plates, title, those things. 
And then every year you have to pay registration fees. You have to pay possibly for a lot of states an inspection. You've got insurance, you've got fuel, you've got maintenance and upkeep, which we will talk about next week in more detail. And uh, the thing about insurance too is the higher cost and value of your vehicle, the higher your insurance that's costs right. are monthly. So going used even by a year or two can make a huge difference in your insurance payments too. Yeah. And then there's the intangible. I mean, let's face it, buying a car for a lot of people is partly an economic thing and it's partly an emotional thing, right? People have emotions attached with their, to their cars. And so sometimes emotions may drive your decision one way or the other. You know, that first time you set foot in a brand new car, it's, it's a great feeling, right? It's like, it's wonderful. And then smells good. <laughs> smells, yes, probably not a good thing to be inhaling, but it does have the smell that's, you know. it's nice and then clean. the first time you get dinged oh, with a shopping worst. cart or someone who opens the door, that's like the worst thing when you buy a new car, that feeling first of, one. oh, you got it first painted chip, you know. So if you buy used, you, you don't necessarily get that brand new car feeling, but you also probably get a car with already has that first little ding in it. And so those things don't bother you as much. <laughs> and I think when we think about buying a new car, I think one of the things that's important to talk about is what features and specs should one be considering as like the game changers, right? Like a utility vehicle versus a four-door sedan vehicle versus a hybrid versus a plug-in. Like what are some of those things that someone should research when they're looking at buying a car, whether it be new or used? I think everyone has a unique set of circumstances, you know, depending on how they're going to use the vehicle. Again, kind of the emotional side might be that you want to have, you know, a really fancy looking car or a really sporty car but then there's kind of the logical side of thing, which is how am I going to use this? Am I going to take passengers? Am I going to be hauling things around? You know, what happens when I go to the grocery store? Am I someone who, you know, does camping or those kinds of things? It, it's funny. Um, I remember my first job out of college, the senior vice president of the division got as a perk, he got a car that was provided to him by the company. And he had to choose between the cars and his single criteria for choosing among the cars was which one had the largest trunk space <laughs> for me it's the best gas mileage <laughs> well that's another thing right cost of ownership and right now we're lucky to be paying only around two and a half 275 a gallon but for someone who doesn't have a lot of flexibility in their budget better to err on the side of economy right we're still in a world where we're buying cars that have internal combustion engines and burn fuel gasoline but we're quickly moving to a world where we're going to be buying electric cars. And that, that changes things pretty dramatically in terms of what we'll own and how we use them. Uh, and, and eventually they'll have autonomous driving, right? You won't even need to drive the car. And that then, scares me so much. Yeah. And then you don't even have to own a car because if you think about Uber today, where we have drivers, that future world will be Uber without drivers. And there'll be cars always going around, picking people up and taking them where they need to go. Um, yeah, so in that world, you may even question whether you need a car, right? Well, we're getting off on a little bit of a tangent here, but I wanna <laughs> I wanna bring us back to yeah. our our next our next question uh, when we think about buying a car is whether to go to a dealership or to go private. Yeah, 
So if you're buying new, you're obviously going to go to a dealer. Right. Uh, but if you buy used, you have choices. You can go to a, a, a new car dealer. You can go to a used car dealer. You can do a private sale, you know, find cars on Craigslist or the auto trader magazine or whatever. So a little bit depends on how much you know about cars and how, how comfortable you are with the risks associated with a, with a sale outside of a dealership, right? Because right. when you buy a car outside of a dealership, you are assuming some risk, you know, that you're getting a car that's going to run well, it's going to be reliable. You don't have the same kind of warranty. We buy a new car, you typically have three years of unlimited coverage, right? So that's nice. You probably don't need it because the cars today are pretty well built, but it's a nice feeling to know that if something goes wrong, I don't have to pay for it. If you buy a used car and something goes wrong, you, you're probably going to have to pay for it. I mean, even used cars come with the warranty when you buy them from a dealer, but they're not that long. One of the options in the used car market is going to a new car dealer and buying what's called a certified pre-owned car, which in my mind is kind of the ideal in the spectrum of buying new versus buying used and all the different ways you could go about it. It's a good happy that, medium. It's a really good happy medium because you're getting a car that meets the requirements of the factory in terms of the quality of the vehicle, how well it was kept up and maintained. You're going to get it with at least a certain amount of wear left on the tires, a certain amount of wear left on the brakes. It's probably going to come with a warranty that's around a year, maybe longer, and the drivetrain is often longer. It's interesting. There's some manufacturers where when you buy CPO, you actually get certain parts of the warranty are longer than they were for the new car buyer originally. Um, and these are cars that are typically coming off lease in a lot of most cases. In many cases, these are cars that have owned by someone who leased the car for a few years and then the lease was up they turned the car in and now they're available for sale i actually there's a couple of things that i'm thinking about right now when you buy a used car there's especially when you're going private what questions should you be asking the person you're buying it from whether it be a private you know someone who privately turns around cars or whether it be a current owner like i know when when you and i went to shop for my used car you were looking for certain things when we were test driving it. You were asking specific questions. And then you, before you purchased it, you asked to take it into a garage to have them look at the wear and tear. Yeah. So what, what are, like, let's talk through that a little bit more. And okay. What the considerations are. So you really want to understand as much as you can the history of the car, right? Has it been in any accidents? That's number one. Because accidents are, can affect the, structural integrity of the car. So that's important to know. And there are ways to verify whether a car has been in an accident, regardless of whether the person tells you or not. You can go to like a carfax.com as there are other online services, but basically the VIN number, which is the vehicle identification number, it's unique to every car manufactured. And that VIN, uh, they, they, they basically track major events on the car, associating it with the VIN. And so you can go to carfax.com or other services and you have to pay for it. It's worth it, 20 or 30, whatever dollars it is to look up the history of a vehicle. Um, if you're someone who's not that knowledgeable about cars, it's really important to consider having someone look the car over, someone who's, who knows cars inside and out and have them look at the car because cars can rust in places that you don't see by walking around the car. If there's a lot of rust or rot underneath the car, that could be really problematic. So 
know the history of the car, make sure that it hasn't been in a flood or it hasn't been in an accident. Those are all good things to know. Because when you buy a used car from somebody, it's typically an as-is transaction. So once the deal is over, it is what it is. You got to do your homework. And that actually makes me think of something. You've always said in the past that when you're selling something, especially a car, there's a lot of risk that comes with selling it to someone who's within your circle of friends or family. Because if then something goes wrong, whether you were knowledgeable of that or not, it can come back to you and bite you. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, cars can have problems. Even if you've had them for a number of years and everything's fine, something can go wrong. And if nothing has ever gone wrong for you and you sell it, it could go wrong for someone else. And um, yeah, if it's a friend or a relative that could create some tension. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I bought a used, in fact, that I think it was that Civic that I bought with the manual transmission. I had it I had it for like less than a week and the alternator went on it, right? That was just completely unpredictable, but it happened. Yeah, so that would be a potential problem for someone who's like, what did you sell me here, right? Um, I remember when when we were shopping for my used vehicle, there was, there was this instance that we were test driving it and you like slammed on the brakes really quickly and you jolted us all and you were like, oh, sorry, I should have given you a warning. I'm just testing the brakes. What other things should someone do like that when they're driving a used vehicle that they're interested in purchasing. Yeah, so the test drive is pretty important. Unlike a new car where you're really just trying to get a sense for, do I like the way it feels and it drives? When you buy a used car, you're really doing that, but also probably more importantly, is making sure that the cars sound and trying to get a sense for what repairs might be necessary. So first of all, before you even get in the car, you're gonna walk around the car, right? You're gonna look for rust, how many, you know, how badly is it dinged? Uh, Where is, does rust typically start? Like, is it like in the wheel wells, sort of around the yes, corners? Typically okay. in the wheel wells. And sometimes it's not even visible. It'll be, you know, as the wheel well has a lip underneath, sometimes yeah. it's going to be on that lip where you can't see very well. So you kind of want to look there. And, and then especially in the corners where water, salty water can accumulate. Um, those are the spots that are most likely to rust first. So you're looking for those kinds of basic things, but even, you know, look at the tires, run your hand over the tires. Are are they smooth or do they have bumps or ridges? This might tell you that the the front end's out of alignment or, you know, there might be some other mechanical issues. If the front end is loose or the suspension is loose, you can get improper wear on the tires. So the tires can be very telling about what problems the car might have. It depends on what you're comfortable with. I mean, I'm describing things. You might say, well, even if I did that, I wouldn't know what I'm looking for. Those are situations where you want to rely on somebody. Everybody has, and I put this in quotes, a car guy. (laughs) And if you don't have a car guy, you know someone who does. True. And that's the guy you want to bring the car to. He might charge you 150 bucks to look the car over or something like that. If you're making a multi-thousand dollar purchase, $150 is a cheap insurance policy that you're going to catch some things right. before you make the, the purchase. By the way, I tend to, I know a fair amount about cars. And so I, I don't always take it to a mechanic. In fact, you and Madeline, both, I helped you both buy used cars. And in your case, I took it to a mechanic. And in Madeline's case, I didn't. And the reason was you were going to college and you were going to be five hours away. I was concerned for your safety and also just, you know, the ability for this car to handle that kind of activity. Madeline, 
she's driving around town. I, I knew the car was sound and I wasn't concerned that she'd get stranded hours from home. So, you know, that, that was kind of my thinking. But when I drive the car, I mean, there's the basic, you know, does it accelerate well? Are there any hesitations? Do I hear any exhaust noise? I might check the systems in the car. Does the heat work? Does the air work? Any other features that my car might have electric windows, check them all. Power sunroof, check it. But then when you're driving, I like to, as I said, listen to the car, but also take it for a little bit of a spirited drive. Take it maybe, you know, take it on the highway for sure. See if there's any vibrations. See if when you're on perfectly straight level ground and you, you let go of the wheel, does it track straight? When you get off on a ramp, you know, you might do it a little aggressively, aggressively. <laughs> and see if it handles properly or if the wheels bounce around or you hear knocking. You want to take on a bumpy road too, because a bumpy road will identify knocking sounds that could be loose suspension parts or loose front end parts. So that's a good thing to do. And then even in a parking lot, I will take the car and I'll accelerate and then I'll, I'll do a hard stop with my hand off the wheel to see if, again, any vibrations, any issues, but also does it stop straight? And I'll do the same thing in reverse. And then I also look under the hood. I mean, I sold a car to a guy and I take care of my cars. And so I sold a, a good car, but I, I sold a car to a guy using Craigslist and he never even took open the hood up. And I just thought I, I would never do that. Um, so I open up the hood, you know, I'm checking, I take the dipstick out of the oil. If it hasn't been changed recently, it's a, it's actually a good thing. I, if they changed it right before they're selling it, I might question, are they hiding something? I mean, it may, probably not, but I'd rather have old oil in the car so I can see it and smell it and just know, is there a burn smell to it? That's a yeah. bad sign. And the reason you might smell a burnt smell is because there's something in the engine that's not quite right. I also like to check the transmission fluid. In a typical transmission, the transmission fluid should be pink. It should smell kind of sweet. Hmm. Again, not dirty and, and not burn smell. If it is, then again, it might be a flag. I hate to jump around, but also as we're talking about the transmission, when you drive the car, you want to make sure that it shifts smoothly. And there's no, you know, sudden, you know, like jolts. And also when you come to a stop that it shifts, downshifts smoothly as well. Again, these are major drivetrain components that can be very costly if something goes wrong. So if I don't know much about cars and I don't have a car guy or someone that I can bring with me to checking out a used vehicle, I'm going to look under the hood and not know what to look for. Where is the oil dip? Where is the transmission fluid? So what is what should one do in that situation? Do the best you can. A couple of thoughts. One is um, look for leaks. Wherever the car is, make sure your car, you're looking at the car where it is normally parked and see if there are stains on the ground. Could be oil, could be coolant, could be transmission fluid, could be brake fluid. You don't want brake fluid. That's, I mean, you don't want any of them, but brake fluid's really bad because leaking brakes is a real hazard. So um, those are things you, you can do even if you don't know anything, right? If you okay. do see fluid, you, you might want to put your finger on it, smell it, get a sense for what the color is and what it smells like. That way you can describe it to somebody and they can say, oh, that's oil or that's transmission fluid or whatever. So you may, Hannah, you may recall um, many years ago, in fact, I, it, was, it was a long time. It was when you first got a car that I bought you a book called how cars work <laughs> it's sitting and, in my uh, glove box <laughs> yeah i don't even know if you ever looked at it but the reason i got you the book is because being someone who knows nothing about cars and eventually at some point relying on someone to tell you about your car whether it's during the purchase 
or in the case of a repair, you don't want what they're telling you to just be gibberish, right? So anyway, this book, How Cars Work, is um, it's uh, it's a picture book. It's a picture book. The author is Tom Newton. And what's nice about it is it's the super basic explanation of each of the systems in the car. So, you know, there's an exhaust system, there's an electrical system, there's an ignition system, there's a cooling system, there's a lubrication, there's all these systems, right? And just to understand the basics of each of those systems, and if nothing else, as a reference, when someone starts telling you about them, that you can go to the book. Again, a lot of these things will change in a world where we're driving electric cars because most of these systems go away in an electric car. But in the meantime, buying a used car is always comes with some risk and you want to try to minimize that risk as best you can. Right. And there's one more thing that you taught me too, which is getting clues from the ad or the the person who's actually selling the car, like ask them about why they're selling it. See if there's any sort of clues or indications that this might be a higher risk purchase. Yes. It's really important to, yeah, focus on the whole big picture, not just the car. Like I'll look at an ad and I'll say, well, you know, why did they not take a picture of the back of the car? It's like 10 pictures and then none of them about the back of the car. I'm like, hmm, are they hiding something? Mm-hmm. Or did they not describe how many miles are on the car or whether it's the first owner? I really prefer to buy from a first owner because then I know I've, to the extent possible, I'm going to get the whole story. Whereas second and third owner cars, you don't know the history. And, and if it is a second or third owner, how long have they had the car? If it's one year or two years, I'm going to question why they're selling, you know? So, you know, look at the ad, how does it read? Does it include all the relevant information? Then I meet the person selling it and I'm I'm sizing them up. You know, do I think this is a person with integrity and making, you know, giving me credible information and, you know, knowing why they're selling the car is important. Is it a lifestyle change? Is it we're moving or is it, you know, I don't know. But if it seems like a perfectly good car and they don't have a good reason for why they're selling it, it's just one more little thing in the back of my mind that I'm questioning. And before we move on to the next question, how do I know I'm getting a good deal on my used car Ah. for the price? Well, whether it's new or used, you should know what a good price is for the car. And there are um, online tools for that as well. There's kbb.com or edmunds.com kbb.com is actually it's kelly blue book but it's kbb is the more trusted and reliable source for that information and they have prices for if you're going to buy it from a dealer or if it's going to be a private party or even if you're trading a car and what you can expect to get for your car in a trade-in situation edmunds is also pretty good but they tend to show somewhat higher prices so if you're selling and you rely on that you might overprice your car. I found that out the hard way. So I, I've learned to kind of use KBB rather than Edmunds for that purpose. So the next thought is whether, if you're going new, whether you lease your vehicle or you buy your new vehicle. Yeah. Uh, this is an interesting one because a lot of people are inclined to make a decision about a car based on the monthly payment. Growing up, I heard people say, it's all about the payment. If I can make the payment, it's good, right? And that is actually a really bad way to make a decision, a financial decision. Because, and I have an example here. Let's just say you're going to buy a $30,000 car, okay? And you're going to put 10% down. 
So you have to finance $27,000. And let's just say the interest rate is 5% and you're going to go for a four-year loan. Your monthly payment on that loan is going to be $622 for the next 48 months. If you were to go and get that same car under a lease agreement, again, $30,000, 10% down, 5% interest rate, a four-year lease, your monthly payment would be $359. So $359 versus $622. That sounds really attractive. The problem is at the end of four years, when you buy a $30,000 car, and if you remember the 24% value drop in the first year and 15% drop in each subsequent year, at the end of four years, you have a car that's still worth $15,000. At the end of a four-year lease, you have nothing. You can buy the car. You, you, when you take out a lease, you know what you're going to have to pay if you want to buy the car at the end of the lease. But let's just say we're at the end of the lease now. You have nothing. And so when you take the cost of all the payments and you subtract the value of what you're left with that you own. So in the case of a purchase, you've got this $15,000 car that you could still sell for $15,000. Let's just say you did that. Then your net expense was around $17,900. But if you did the lease for $359 a month plus the $3,000 down, at the end of four years, you spent over $20,000. And you have nothing. <laughs> and you have nothing. So it's 17800 if you sell the car and have nothing versus $20,000, over $20,000 because you leased. And so that's a big difference. Less than eighteen versus more than $20,000. So don't be fooled by the payment. You've really got to look at the net cost after the term of the loan or the lease and compare it based on what you're left with. And there are other limitations that come with a lease too, like mileage per year or a lifetime mileage limitations. Right. right. Yep. If you go under, and let's just say it's 10,000 miles a year. So if you only drive 5,000 miles a year, you're basically paying for the privilege of taking it for 10,000, but you're not using it. So that's, that's a cost that you're not getting any benefit from. If you go over, then you actually have to pay on a per mile basis of how much you exceeded the allotment. So that could be more cost. Uh, you still have to take care of the car. You're still expected to maintain it. You know, if it gets scratched or dinged or whatever, you know, you're expected to bring the car back in as close to new condition as possible. And so you're at risk of getting nickel and dimed over scratches and dents and wear and tear on the interior. And I'm a kind of person who keeps a car for a long time. So I'm not inclined to get a new car every three or four years. If you are, that might be a reason to go lease, but it's a it's an expensive way to own a car because as I said, the first year is the most expensive year. So if you keep getting new cars, you're not to mention the sales tax and everything else. So if on an economic basis, you should buy and you should keep your car for more than three or four years, unless you drive a real lot of miles, in which case you wear it out, but that's that would be pretty hard to do in three or four years. And when you buy a new car, whether you lease it or not, you can still set it up for monthly payments if you're financing your vehicle. Right. Well, that was my 600 and what did I say? $622 a month scenario. But if someone couldn't afford, if they're comparing the 339 versus the 622, but they can't afford the 622, maybe you go beyond a 48 month 
finance right. agreement. Yes. Which is again, one of those examples of why the payment, making a decision based on the payment, it, it's not, the payment doesn't give you the whole economic picture. So you can get a lower payment if you go out longer term, right? You can get a five, five year or six year loan, the payments will be lower, but you're going to be paying more in the end because you're paying over a longer time period. True. So yes, you can do that. By the way, that, that brings up another issue, which is whether you finance a car or lease a car, there is a risk because of the rapid decline in car value in the first year. There's actually a risk though the value of the car would be less than what you still owe on the loan or the, or the lease. And if you should, hopefully not, but if for some reason you should total that vehicle, you'd actually owe money, right? Because your insurance is only going to pay up to the value of the car. But if the car's if the, the loan that you have is higher, yeah. the balance on the loan is higher than the value of the car, you actually have to pay that. And so there's a thing called gap insurance, which covers that for the short time that the, the vehicle's value is lower than the loan balance. Um, so that's just another consideration if you don't so have if the you, wherewithal to make up the difference. If you get in accidents on a regular basis and you're going to lease a car, then buy yourself that gap insurance just yeah, to be on the safe yeah. side. Well, even if it's a purchase, you still have to pay off the loan even if the car is gone. Yeah, yeah. So either way. I mean, we see commercials. I mean, not many of us watch commercials all that much these days or listen to radio commercials, but the commercials always say like, you know, lease a brand new such and such vehicle for monthly payments as low as $95 a month. And there's always a little asterisk on the television. And there's this fine print at the bottom that starts to begin to explain what those limitations are as that it's associated with that $95, but you then have to see a lease agreement to know what all that fine print is. Yeah. It's not always as good as the monthly payments. Right. I mean, there are reasons to lease. You know, businesses lease a lot because they tend to use cars pretty heavily and they can, you know, expense, de deduct a lot of the costs associated with the lease. So there are reasons to lease, but I would say for most individuals, it is not the most economical way to acquire a car. And there you have it. <laughs> So next week, we'll dive into maintaining your vehicle and getting the most out of its, its life and mileage. So we'll see you next week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Everything I Know I Learned From Dad. Please show your support for our podcast by dropping a review, subscribing to the show, and sharing it with others. We also invite you to email us questions you'd like to see answered in a future episode or share something valuable you learned from your dad. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. <laughs>